Good afternoon. Good afternoon, everybody. This beautiful Sunday afternoon here in the state of Maryland. I am Lisa Harwell, your host of Journeys with Jones Harwell. And today I have a spectacular gentleman with me. We're going to talk about some great things that he's been doing and his travels around the world. I'm going to call him Camp Cleveland, so I won't be messing up his name. But we are talking with today Taye Uhuru. He is a historian, an archivist, a genealogist, student of middle childhood education, and independent hip-hop artist. He is also an author, has visited more than 45 states and 60 countries around the world. He has recorded and performed with musicians in the Netherlands, South Africa, Senegal, and several other countries. During his travels, he has studied abroad. In 2014, he spent time in the Dominican Republic. And while he was there, um, he'll talk about some of his other studies as well. He also uh, has spent several years working with people who have developmental disabilities and tutoring children. He's participated in fun drives, food drives rather, fundraisers, and gives back to schools as he can help individuals. And I believe he has two books. Is it two books or one? one? I got one book. And you have a couple of YouTube videos um, that I've also posted where people can go and see your music videos. Okay. Thank you, Queen. You are welcome. You're welcome. So, Camp Cleveland, welcome to the show. How'd you get the nickname, Camp Cleveland? Oh, okay. First off, I just want to thank you. I really appreciate you, you know, allowing me to come, you know, on your platform. It's an I honor to be it. here. Thank you. Thank you. You yeah. as well. I enjoy talking to people. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Camp Cleveland. <laughs> I'm from I'm from Cleveland, you know what I'm saying? So I'm just representing for my city. Um, when I was doing music, it was like a little record label, and I was calling it Camp Cleveland. So the name kind of stuck over the years. So a lot of people refer to me as Camp Cleveland. So that's my handle on social media, YouTube, Facebook, Instagram. I'm Camp Cleveland. What I like about you and what was so interesting about your your bio that you sent to me is it is a question that sometimes I I was uh, asked uh, or I see is how many black males have you had or black instructors have you had in your lifetime? And for my son, he could say several because we're right outside of Washington, D.C. We're in a, a, a dominant, you know, uh, African community african-american community so most of his teachers from grade school all the way through high school he's had quite a bit i grew up uh, in west texas i grew up in florida i grew up in alabama i can count from zero to 12th grade how many black instructors i had zero Oh, I didn't have any till I actually moved to this area and went to college. And then I started to have black professors. So what I love about you is historian, 
archivist, genealogist, that tells me that you have a love of history and a love of your people. Explain, explain how that came about. Oh yeah, definitely. Um, I've always and I've always admired Black and African people. Um, I think it started with my family. You know, over a hundred years ago, my great grandparents they moved up to Cleveland from Atlanta, and my great grandfather he was a member of the UNIA in Cleveland, and uh, my grandmother would tell me about him growing up. You know, she would tell me about Marcus Garvey and the parades that they had on Central Avenue. You know, she was the first person to tell me about that. So that kind of that's kind of where it started. Um, also, my uncle, he was the co-founder of the Afro set in the 1960s. So that was a black nationalist organization. So, you know, black nationalism is something that uh, runs throughout my family. A lot of pride, Pan-Africanism and things like that. So my mom, she gave me my first black history book, you know, black history A to Z. Wow. Wow. That is in, in this, I've had this flowing conversation, particularly, you know, last month was Black History Month. And uh, with the coming together of so many things that happened, uh, not only here in the United States last year, that a lot of people, um, blinders outside of ours came off. Okay. Um, but it was a movement that started worldwide that we started to see the same sy systematic approach to uh, some of the things that we have been going through for several generations, hundreds of years. And um, it's interesting because I did watch um, uh, Judas and the Black Messiah, and I had never heard of never heard of the gentleman. You know, we always hear Jesse Jackson. We always hear about uh, Martin Luther King. We always hear about uh, um, Elijah Muhammad and, and every, you know, that, but we never hear about some of the other uh, leaders that particularly, and I am a product of the sixties. Okay. Of, of civil rights. I was um, two years old. Um, so, I'm, you know, 1962, you know, right. so that generation, you know, and the history that we got and that we learned, um, of course, you know, my parents, I had parents that were uh, believers of making sure we knew our history. I had grandparents mm -hmm. that also shared their stories with us, you know, too. You know, my great grandfather was a sharecropper. You know, so that's just two generations, you know, for right. me, uh, you know, or three generations, you know, by my father, you know, his mother, her father. So and even she started out, you know, uh, before she moved to to Washington, D.C. and then became, you know, became a seamstress. But, you know, just some of the educational uh, platforms weren't available. So, you know, it's my generation of me and my brothers that are the college graduates, you know, the traditions, you know, starting then of, of getting the education. But I get disheartened with people that don't want to learn their history. Because if we don't teach it, it's going to erase. It's going to get erased. And they want to erase mm -hmm. it. You know, they want to tell only a portion of the truth. They don't want to tell the whole truth. Yeah, definitely. 
So where are the, some of the places that you have studied? I see that you've been to more than 60 countries. So that means you mm-hmm. love to travel as well. Or did you have opportunities oh, yeah. to travel? Oh, yeah, I definitely love to travel. Um, I studied abroad in the Dominican Republic in 2014. I studied abroad in Brazil in 2016. So, I, you know, I lived in these countries for a while. Um, I lived in South Africa. I was in South Africa during the lockdown in 2020. Oh um, boy, how was how yeah. was that experience? Was that? Um, I mean, despite or? well, I mean, despite you know the pandemic, it was a great experience. Um, traveling to Africa is amazing. South Africa is an amazing place. So you know, unfortunately, we were locked down, but I was in a neighborhood. It was. Um, in Johannesburg called Mabo Nang. So it was an art district. It was a lively area. Um, a lot of artists, dancers, rappers, singers, photographers, and musicians live in this neighborhood. And um, it's murals all over the neighborhood. You know, great people, Marcus Garvey, Harriet Tubman, Malcolm X, Nelson Mandela. So, you know, each day I would walk to the store or walk to get something to eat. You know, I would be inspired and uplifted by these images. You know, so I was still able to record music and shoot music videos. So, you know, that kind of kept my spirits high during the lockdown. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And um, when you uh, that is amazing because I, I can count one place I've been <laughs> overseas. So and, and oh, yeah. I'm always in. awe. Yeah, I, I went to um, uh, Okinawa, Japan uh, oh, okay. when I was. Uh, when I was in much younger, but my father was in the military and most of his military service was done here in the States. So that's the okay. one place that we got. Um, of course, I've been to a couple of the uh, U.S. Caribbean countries, but hopefully once the pandemic is, is over with and people can freely travel again, I do have some spots around the world that I definitely okay. want, want to get to. Most definitely. I've been a lot of places in the U.S., but but most definitely want to see some other sides of the world. And I think it's important uh, that people recognize that there is a difference in cultures besides our own. Even though we have our problems here in the United States, um, you know, when you travel abroad, sometimes you're not as free to do some of the things that we do here. And so it's always good to see how other people live. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's a it's a learning experience. I mean, some things are better. You know, something we have a lot of misconceptions about Africa. You know, Africa has almost sixty countries. There's more countries in Africa than any other continent in the world. Africa is the most diverse continent in the world. You know, but we tend to generalize it as one place. So we may see it's a war in Nigeria, and we'll say, well, it's a war in Africa, but it's not necessarily the case. You know what I'm saying? So. Yes. Like we Americans, like you say, we live in North America. They say we visit Canada, we visit Jamaica, we visit Mexico, we visit Haiti. You know, those places are totally different. The language is different. The food is different. The people look different. The weather is different. You know, so many different things within those few countries. But when you go to Africa, Africa is 10 times more diverse than that. You know, so it's it's dozens of African countries that are a lot safer than the United States, a lot safer than a lot of European countries, you know, lower crime rate, lower cost of living, less mass shootings, uh, better quality of life, you know, things like that. 
Yeah. I had um, uh, an acquaintance of mine. He is a um, trombonist and uh, he worked with, he's worked with my son. My son is also a musician when he wants to be. (laughs) And I say that now because he's doing that transition, you know, that last year of high school, trying to figure out what he wants to do going forward. And we're trying to tell him, please don't get rid of that God given talent that you have, Mm -hmm. you know, to play the guitar because he, he's, he's quite good at it. And, uh, but um, the trombonist actually just moved to Nigeria, moved his whole family oh, okay. to Nigeria oh. and is loving it there. And I have friends uh, that are originally from Nigeria and always has extended, you know, the invitation for us to come visit, um, mm-hmm. you know, when they go over, because they normally go December of every year and they'll spend almost mm-hmm. the entire month of December uh, in Nigeria. And uh, so I've seen pictures, and it it is beautiful, and it is oh, yeah, it is quite is. amazing. Yes, so that's definitely one of the places that I want to visit Nigeria. I want to hopefully make it to Morocco one day. I don't know what my fascination is with Morocco, but I just always <laughs> wanted to go, you know. Right. Uh, mm-hmm. And then I have a brother that's a shoemaker, and he normally goes to Italy. Um, you know, every year because that's his trade. So he'll go, he'll design his shoes, he'll make his shoes, and then he'll come back home. So, you know, it, it, it is the travel, you know, it is the travel. And I, I bless because my father at least opened our eyes to it, to the possibility to do it. So that is a blessing. Yes. Because most parents won't tell you, Hey, go see the world or Hey, go experience cultures and even though we couldn't travel part of his his uh assignment with us growing up is that he would bring it to us so if we couldn't go there he would bring some of the cultures to us so he had a standing tradition every friday he would whatever he could find the local uh market that carried whether it was chinese korean African, German, whatever he could find, he would go get the, the, the items, prepare the meal or have the meal prepared. And then that was our Friday evening discussion and oh, eating. Wow. So, That's amazing. You know, yeah. It opened us up to different, you know, uh, palates, you know, for food once we grew up. Mm-hmm. So we weren't scared to try new things. So that kind of gave us the courage too. Hey, maybe one day you'll go and actually visit these places. So I, you know, I've had a couple of brothers that travel quite extensively. Have been quite a few places, but none of us, I think, have been to Africa yet, and that's on our bucket list. Okay. Yeah. So let's pivot from that, and your love of that, and you say that you're, you know, a genealogist and and the archivist and historian, how do you transition or how do you segue that while you're working with kids? And uh, is it a Pacific age range that you're working with or, mm. or how, how's that going? Um, I try to put it all together. So for example, I do uh, educational tours. I take groups to Africa. I take African-Americans to different countries in Africa. So uh, sometimes it's middle middle school students, high school students, college students, you know, sometimes young adults, sometimes elders, you know, so I produce a lot of content. You know, I have a YouTube page. I try to post a lot of positive content 
you know, that everyone can tune into. So I have videos of us going into the pyramids, the Valley of the Kings, the temples, the tombs, uh, the doors of no returns, the slave dungeons and different things like that. I try to make it educational for everybody. But um, I volunteered. I spent a lot of time working in orphanages, uh, community centers um, and different things like that. Wow. And it's a difference to do it in person versus um, have you been to the the Smithsonian here in Washington, D.C., the African-American Museum? Oh, the museum. No, nah, the, um, the two times I was supposed to go, it was like something happened and we couldn't even go. I, when you get the opportunity to go, yeah. please, please visit. Also in this area, um, if you could make a whole tour of it, um, um, the gentleman, I'm looking straight at his face, big Afro guy. Um, his home is right in Washington, D.C. It'll come before the end of our conversation or, you know, mm -hmm. my mind sometimes is 10 days later. Oh, that's who I was talking about. <laughs> but, um, Frederick Douglass. That's who. Oh, okay. Douglas home is here in Washington D.C. Um, also, Harriet Tubman is not too far out of Washington D.C. too. She's in Cambridge, Maryland. So if you okay. travel, uh, maybe about ninety minutes, I think it is outside of Washington D.C., you can visit um, Harriet Tubman. You know, um, right where she was in Cambridge, Maryland, and part of the Underground Railroad from there too. But the history uh, here in D.C., and I think that's what drew me back to D.C. as an adult. Mm -hmm. um, I always came as a kid because my family, you know, my grandmother lived here. But moving back as an adult, there's so much history in this city. Free history. Free. Free. Mm -hmm. Free history. So it's just uh, just amazing. So I love the idea that you have, that you've taken your travels and you've place them on your YouTube channel for people to be able to visit these places that they can't ordinarily sometimes go themselves. And then right. you have a travel agency or you're working with a travel agency that once the pandemic is over, you'll go back and take tours of, of people. Um, well, I've had tours this year, so we already, you know, back in motion. <laughs> I got a tour coming up. We're going to Cape Verde soon, going to the West side. So some of the, the thing is, uh, Africa wasn't as um, affected by the pandemic as the United States. You know, the U.S. has like the highest rates of deaths and cases. So some of the African countries remained open during the pandemic and some have reopened since. So in the last three, four months, I've been in South Africa, Egypt, Ethiopia, Dubai, and back and forth to the United States. So let me ask the question, are they asking for like proof of of uh, that you've been vaccinated or you 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 know tested pops i mean negative on the travel on their end because i know we're not really doing it here in the u.s um yeah that is one of the requirements so before you go to the next country you would have to provide a negative covid test okay okay Playing it smart, playing it smart, playing it smart. Yeah. So with travel, with genealogy, with archivist, how does the music fit in and your your passion and love for music? 
Oh, okay. Um, I mean, it fits in perfectly because, you know, I try to write about things that are related to being, you know, proud to be black, African. You know, my last song, Do Revolutionaries Go to Heaven? You know, that was inspired, as I mentioned, by my neighborhood, Mabo Name. Then before that, I had a song, The Blacker the Berry, The Sweeter the Juice. So I try to write about, you know, uh, lyrically conscious things. And the mm-hmm. history plays a major part in that. You know, it, mm-hmm. it influenced me to write about positive things because we hear so many negative things and stereotypical things on the radio. You know, it, it gives me strength to write about other things. So would you classify I'm, I, I'm, I'm trying to, to do the, the hip hop thing, because when hip hop started <laughs> for me, I guess it was back with uh, Run DMC mm-hmm. and uh, um, some of the earlier artists. What would you uh, label your uh, rap as? Is it more? Um, my brother would say uh, his his favorite uh, used to be Tribe Called Quest because oh, okay. they all positive tip to come mm-hmm. out with sound, um, and you know was kind of on the on the uh, real educational side too as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, I'm trying to remember the other gentlemen because I want to say, uh, well, NWA, we know they were a little uh, that South uh, West Coast flavor. And mm-hmm. uh, but I'm trying to remember the group that was on this in KRS-One. That's who I was trying mm-hmm. to because he always has some knowledge that he's dropping every time. He right. Yeah. Definitely. Favorite of my brothers, you know, he would say in a minute, mm-hmm. "Try Paul Quest and KRS." <laughs> I'd be <laughs> right, like, right. "Bring back R and B for me." <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's my music. It's just kind of, you know, uh, I would compare it kind of like to that golden era of hip hop, like you say, uh, Public Enemy, KRS One, X Clan, mm-hmm. Poor Righteous Teachers, um, you know. Rappers that that really had like a message, had something to say. Yes, you know what I'm yes, yes. I'm asking my son today, what are they saying? <laughs> you know, <laughs> the rappers he's listening to, I'm like, oh, okay, you lost me. You know, mm-hmm. you lost me. But then he'll pick up his guitar and he he's he's blues. You know, he'll he'll right, right. BB uh, King or you know Robert Cray. You know on you in a minute, you know, but mm-hmm. you know, his every day is, is, is rap is the rap, but the instrument is, is blues. I was like, I don't know how that happened, but thank you, Lord. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> but that's a blessing to be able to. You so know, what are some things that you've got going on? Yes, he does. And we introduced him to it all. You know, his dad's big, uh, big jazz. Um, mm-hmm all day, every day, hardcore, sometimes hardcore rock. You know, that's his dad. Me, I'm everything mm-hmm. else, everything else, you know. So from right. gospel to big band, I heard it, you know, growing up, blues, country, especially country and Western, soft country, rock country, you know, growing up in the South. You know, we mm-hmm. got a lot of that. So so what are some events that you have coming up or things that – um uh, is going on for you now outside of, of traveling? You said you're getting ready to do another travel trip. So what else have you got going on? Um, uh, My main focus has been my book. I just recently released my book a couple of months ago. 
Um, okay. The title of the book is called The Afro Set. And this was an organization that was co-founded by my uncle in Cleveland in the 1960s. So this organization, it was like a, a black power organization. And they were at the forefront of introducing African-Americans to African history and African culture. Um, they opened up shops. And inside of the shops, you know, they would sell like dashikis and Afrocentric necklaces and earrings and jewelry and pottery and paintings and masks and different things like that. But they also had classes. They would teach Swahili. They would teach self-defense. Um, mm. They would teach you how to play the African drums. Uh, they had classes on uh, drug awareness, economics, um, you know, uh, sickle cell, diabetes, and stuff like that. They built a theater. My uncle was a poet, so they would have poetry readings. They would have fashion shows, musical performances, um, and different things like that, you know, so... That sounds amazing. And that's one of the things that we talked about, too, you know, as as our generation and beyond us um, got to the self where we started to uh, move away from some types of entrepreneurship. And and um, people will argue, you know, that segregation may have been the worst thing to happen to us because we got away from our villages of teaching our kids, of, of having those safety nets, you know, for them within our own community, for them to see and go to places that showcased, you know, our culture a lot. Um, so that's, that's really great um, to, to do that in, in your, in your book. So um, how would people be able to purchase your book? Oh, okay. Um, I'm doing it independently. They can purchase my book from my website. Uh, it's campcleveland.org, or they can contact me on Facebook or Instagram or YouTube at Camp Cleveland. Okay. I'm writing as we're... Oh, okay. That's cool. Yeah, it's a very exciting book. It's about um, it's a lot of uprisings, shootouts, rebellions, you know, and a lot of positive things too. You know, it was more family orientated than an organization. You know, a lot of brothers and sisters and parents brought their children into the Afro set. Some people met in the Afro set, and children were born into the Afro set. They had a nursery, you know, they, they had breakfast programs, lunch programs. Um, they did a lot of community patrolling. You know, if pimps yes. came into the community, they would run them out. If drug dealers came into the community, they would run them out. If police were brutalizing people, they would confront them. You know, so. Do you see maybe that we would be turning back to that type of um, enforcement or a collective taking care of our own, particularly in the last year with with COVID-19 kind of shutting everything down and everybody taking a little retrospective look at how busy life has gotten in, in, in things of, you know, police brutality, of course, um, that we still are working on getting changes for, but a lot of people don't, you know, understand, or a lot of people have this mindset that, um, well, I don't vote because um, nothing changes anyway. And my first response always to that is you have to start at the local level. 
You have to participate at the local level. You have to be engaged and get involved where you live. If you don't like something, run. Run yourself. And we're seeing proof positive of that, of a lot of new members coming to Congress with that attitude to make change, to help change policies. Um, what is your take on, on that? Um, I definitely agree with you. I mean, I think it's um, important to establish a relationship locally. Like I know my councilman, I know him personally, the councilman before him, I know him personally. So I've worked with them. I sat down with them. I can call them. You know what I'm saying? And I was able to do more, at least for my community. I think that's the best place to start. I mean, it's mandatory if we really want to push for change. Mm -hmm. And I like that you're leading the forefront in your area in Cleveland and doing that with all that you have uh, dived yourself into and presented out to, to the world. So um, on uh, YouTube, do you have a YouTube channel? Is that also called? Camp Cleveland? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Camp Cleveland. Let me spell right here. I'm definitely going to be checking out your channel. Oh, okay. I appreciate that. Yeah, you definitely got to... Um... Be involved in the community. I co we co-founded a food co-op. I was the president for about two or three years. Um, we just got a grant for like $60,000 because last year we was delivering food and supplies to people during the pandemic. Um, you know, things like that. I work with a lot of local growers, you know, farmers in my community. They're urban farms. But, mm -hmm. you know, I know these people personally. I go and I volunteer and we have classes. You know, we have health and wellness classes, similar to what my uncle and them was doing. I'm just trying to yes. implement those I, I things. See I, I see mm -hmm. your parents got you strong in it, strong <laughs> in it. And it's right, good. Right. You, you were so positive and so motivated to keep that up because a lot of times things get introduced to, to youth and, you know, as soon as they turn 18 or they think they're an adult and they're grown, they're like, eh, I don't want no more of that, <laughs> you know, and the years right. go by, and then all of a sudden they're like, you know what? I need to go back and pick something up. But Right. It'll come back around. You're right. It'll stick with you. Right. It's, it's good to, as long as we're still breathing, we still have mm -hmm. the opportunity to be a part of change and to make change, which is the best thing. So don't think that you missed it on the first go around that you might not have an opportunity to come back and be something positive on, on the next go round. Definitely. Yes, yes, yes. Um, so are you interested in writing another book after this one? Or is there going to be a part two to the Afro set? Um, I'm not sure if I'm going to write another book, uh, just right now. Um, when I was writing the book, I did a lot of interviews. I interviewed over a hundred people, a lot of elders. Cause I live in the same community where my uncle, you know what I'm saying? Founded the Afro set. So this is one of the most revolutionary areas, not only in Cleveland, but in America, 
you know, a lot of riots and uprisings took place in my community. So I was able to sit down with a lot of the elders and I filmed a lot of it. And I'm an archivist, so I have a lot of old footage from the 60s, a lot of old newspaper articles and FBI files and documents. So I think the next thing that I want to do pertaining to the Afro set, I'll try to make it into a documentary. And then after the documentary is done, and maybe, you know, it could be like the Judas and the Black Messiah. Maybe they may make a movie about it or something. You well, I, I, I tell you what, I, I'd love to have an offline conversation with you as well, because okay. uh, there is a group um, that we've put together here in the Washington, D.C. area, two, two different projects uh, that okay. I've been, been asked to participate on. One of them, um, we're looking to go into the schools and the name of the nonprofit group, uh, and I'm going to blast her name out, May Green, <laughs> uh, a mentor of my son's, but she has a nonprofit group that she's starting called Advocates for the Number Four History. And she is yeah. a huge history buff, education, okay, okay. education, education. And we're looking to do a platform of U.S. and African history. Oh, wow. We're okay. Blessing them. So you and I need to have a conversation with her. Yeah, and definitely. Hook that up with her okay. um, and get her schedule. The second thing, um, there is a, a beautiful young lady that lives here. And I say young lady, she's 80 years old. Oh, okay. She lives here in Washington, D.C. And she is the founder of a group here that's called um, D.C. Legendary Musicians. So she is archiving all of the musicians that have come out of the Washington we call it the DMV area. So it's Washington, mm -hmm. D.C., Metropolitan, Maryland, Metropolitan, Virginia area from Duke Ellington to Marvin Gaye to all the jazz artists to some of the rock artists. Uh, Dave Grew, I think, is, is one that he used to be with. the uh, Was he with the Foo Fighters? I believe so. Mm -hmm. um, so she has archived that. Um, and, and that's her diligent work. The second thing that she was or some upcoming projects that she was also working on is uh, Rhythm and Blues, documenting that and then documenting Washington, D.C. Because, as you know, mm. back in the 60s as well, a lot of our predominant cities. Uh, so Atlanta, uh, Cleveland area, Chicago, Washington, D.C., uh, New York City. These were hotspot beds of where Black communities were organizing and getting together uh, what people may refer to now as Black Lives Matter. But mm -hmm. even back in the early 60s, that whole movement of the Rainbow Coalition, um, I could remember moving to, when I moved to D.C., um, even though I didn't finish my uh, college education until a few years ago, but I can remember marching for D.C. statehood, you know, pictures of Jesse Jackson there, you know, D.C. <laughs> for statehood, you know, having the conversations because, and now all the gentrifications that's happening in a lot of our cities, Definitely. you know, 
because, you know, they're pushing us now out to the suburbs because we can't afford the taxes. We can't afford the property. You know, uh, you push us into neighborhoods where, you know, the grocery stores, you know, are more convenient stores than true grocery stores that have fresh produce, you know, uh, you know, a lot of fast foods instead of bringing, you know, put a whole foods you know, put, 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 you know, some, some healthy restaurants where people can go eat mm-hmm. and afford it. Okay. Instead of saying, I've got $40 and on $40, you know, it's easier for me to go buy a bucket of chicken because mm-hmm. it's cheaper than mm-hmm. to go to the store and buy, you know, okay, I'm going to buy, you know, fresh chicken, fresh carrots, fresh corn, or, you know, uh, greens, you know, fresh greens that would come in, you know, to eat or peas. Um, so that's, you know, the history there. Um, and I, and I like that. I like that. So offline, I know I'll be talking to okay. you. Right. <laughs> we'll I look forward to it. <laughs> yes, indeed. Cause just cause I'm in Maryland doesn't mean I can help you with the history in, in Ohio. Oh yeah, just, no, we, right. It put it together. Something that we could use and benefit on this end. And that's Definitely. really what it's all about. It's really, really what it's all about is the conversations and the journeys that we have in life and what we do while we're, you know, on this earth for the little time that we have, because it really exactly. is. Little time. If we think about it. It's just little time, exactly. you know, in the grand schemes of things. So um, you want to, uh, when you do your rap, is it freestyle? I'm going to let you end our show. So if you want to showcase something oh. here. A little bit <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I ain't going to freestyle. Uh, I prefer if you can, if they could just check out the video because I put, right. you know, a lot of imagery in my videos, like I say. So it's a lot of positive images of strong black women, strong black men, courageous freedom fighters. You know, I think that amplifies you know, the message that I'm trying to, you know. Okay. And one more time, I'm going to ask you for the names of the videos because I'm going to type them in right here. Okay. So it, the first one I know ended in revolution. So give me the first part. Okay. Do revolutionaries go to heaven? Do revolutionaries. I love that title. Oh, thank you. Make sure I'm spelling right. That does not look right because it's all highlighted. Okay. Nice thing about being a writer. I'm looking for my dictionary because I know I normally carry it on my desk, but since it's not on my desk, guess what? I'm going to my phone because <laughs> I want to be sure I type this in correctly. Revolution. Oh, okay. I see what I did wrong now. Once you know, once you start typing something somewhere else, do revolutionaries go to heaven? That's the first one, right? Yes. Blacker the berry, sweeter the juice is the second one. Yeah, the blacker the berry, the sweeter the juice. 
and to get a copy of your book, which is called The Afro Set, people can reach out to you on your website, campcleveland.org, or on any social media platform, Camp Cleveland. Yes. All right. This has been awesome. This has been awesome. We have definitely, 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 definitely have to talk again, especially on the history tip, because okay. I am a, a uh, firm believer of knowing your history, knowing, knowing your history. And um, I put my put my my time and effort into knowing that as well. Um because, like I said again, if we don't do it, uh, who's going to pass the torch? And our history, you know, from my, from, you know, me being a teenager, seeing, you know, my son as a teenager to what's being taught. Wow. Big gaps. Big, big gaps. So I appreciate you taking the time to visit with me today. <laughs> you are an awesome young man. Keep doing what you're doing. We definitely will be talking again and come back and share with us as you're doing new projects. And um, how would people reach you? Would they reach you on your website too if they were interested and they're in the area to travel? Oh, yeah, definitely. Please feel free to uh, reach out and contact me. Uh, <clears throat> Facebook, Instagram, or on the website is fine. If you have any questions about the educational tours or about the book or about the music, it's all available on my website. Also, I bring different items back from Africa and different parts of the world. So I have dashiki, shea butter, black seed oil, necklaces and earrings and things like that. Sometimes people want special requests. They may need a certain dress size or a certain fabric. You know, you can do that also. All on right. The website. This is thank you again, Queen. I truly appreciate you. Hey, I love this. I love this because you brought a piece of Africa to us today, this afternoon. Out of all the places you visited, and I'm going to leave you on this tip. What's been your most favorite? It's hard. I mean, Africa is my favorite, definitely. I've been to almost 20 African countries, so like I say, it's, it's, it's very diverse. I like the west side of Africa. Cape Verde is real nice. It's tent islands, black sand, blue water, green water, very beautiful, low population, hot all year. Uh, Ethiopia is beautiful, very beautiful people, uh, great food, great music and culture. South Africa is amazing, you know, so it would definitely be Africa. Mm -hmm. And you said people would off, would be really surprised at just how uh, different, you know, safer the countries are and, and some of the, you know, uh, differences between us and, and there. Yeah, you, it's information you could look up. I mean, if you just Google it, most times things about Africa, something negative would pop up. But um, mm -hmm. each year, the United Nations, they rank each country in the world. You know what I'm saying? They do a global peaceful index. So you will see dozens of African countries like Ghana, Botswana, um, Namibia, Cape Verde, 
are two, three times uh, safer than the United States. You know, like in comparison, if you visit a, a city like Baltimore or D.C. or Cleveland or Detroit, you know, city, it's cities in Africa that have just as many people, but they are a lot, you know what I'm saying, a lot safer. And you can check the United States Department of State and Travel as well. They have a website. So anytime if an if a American dies abroad in the country, they make a, you know, it's listed, you know, so you can look all of these things up. Very, very great information that you have provided today. Just wonderful, wonderful information. Thank you so much for reaching out to me. Mm -hmm. I'm glad as soon as you was like, hey, <laughs> and I, like I said, when you sent me your bio, I was like, this is one young brother I have got to talk to because you really, really do have it going on. And I appreciate you uh, being one of the leaders, uh, not only in your, your community, but you're showing, you know, around the world, just what you have to offer and what you have to offer to young kids coming up behind you and adults much older than you to show them, Hey, look, what's out here. Look at, look at what's out here. You know, <laughs> It's not just right. America and concrete, you know. Right, right. <laughs> All right. Till next time, Queen. Thank you. Yes, yes. So thank you so much, everyone. This is going to wrap up our show for today. I want to thank Camp Cleveland for coming on and dropping some knowledge on us. I will be back on the air tomorrow evening. I will be talking to my signature entrepreneurs and mastermind sister, Courtney Lee Smith. If you guys want to hear somebody who is a dynamic talker, faith believer, faith walker, check out our show tomorrow evening. Once again, Enjoy your Sunday. I will talk with you guys soon and be on the lookout. I'll be getting in touch with you within the next couple of days so we can talk more history because we got some work to do, you and I. All right. All right, yeah. everyone. Enjoy your evening. Peace. Peace.